Okay, mere man spreading right now. Stop it. I'm sitting in my own chair. <laughs> You're Why fucking fuck? man spreading. Y'all, if you Did could we? see this, Asif's a man spreading right now. Stop it. Scoot over or something. I feel Am like... Am I taking your space? It feels like it. I don't think I'm taking your space. I think you're just sexist. (laughs) Like, why do you need to bring sex into how I'm sitting? (laughs) That's absurd. What do you mean? We talked about this before. Yeah, I still It's not a real thing. It is. It's not. Man spreading's a real thing. It's annoying. It's rude. Awesome. It's not a real thing. It's called biology. And... Asif swears. Asif swears men's hips are People shaped wanna... like this. No. <laughs> men's, men's hips are narrower than women. Women have wider hips because of the birth canal. Women's hips evolved to be wider so the child could get through without dying. Okay. And killing the woman also. Why does that give you the authority men, to manspread? Men didn't have that evolutionary feature that our hips had to keep getting wider in order to survive. So as a result, women have much wider hips. Men have narrower hips. And your legs coming out of your hips on a man, they're closer together at the top. And so they're canted out at an angle. With women, it's the opposite. The hips are wider. And as you go down towards the knees... The legs go in at an angle, at a natural, like comfortable position. You're so women are gonna s- sit with their knees together. Guys are gonna sit with their knees apart. Oh, I could easily sit like this. Into it. I could easily sit like this too, Othif. But it's rude. It's not rude. <laughs> it's rude. It's not. And you're taking up all the space, Shizor. Okay, if I'm taking up space, that's a different. Question. Thank you. But look, this is the halfway mark. Oh, is so that So you're one? the one coming into my territory. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Stay on your side. Whatever. Stay on your side. Hello, I really y'all. hope it's recording right now. Okay, let's stop it for a minute. No, let's just go. Okay. It looks like it's recording. It does, but what I if it's... I kind of know what I'm doing, and you have stuff all over your teeth still. Really? Still? Let me see. It's too. No, you got it. It's far away. It's a podcast. It. It's not a fucking beauty video. Okay, I'm welcome good. everybody. Welcome. Yes, hi. Do you need to scream? <laughs> I I need to turn down my headphones. No, because then you don't speak into the microphone. Well, I'll Earth speak the into the microphone, but I just need you to not scream out my eardrums. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> welcome to the show. This is gonna be. Episode number one. This is actually four point five, but like your episode we re- number one. We recorded like three or four mm-hmm. episodes before this that you will never see. Well, <laughs> unless we're like a ball in one day, and we're like, oh guys, guys, guess what? This was our first podcast. If you want to see the first three episodes, <laughs> hit us up on Patreon. Give us that money. Link down below. Speaking of money, our first. Uh, sponsor for the podcast is uh, Podiums. What the fuck is that? Yeah, Podiums. What's Podiums? Now, there's a product I can stand behind. What is that? 
What is that? Uh, it's called, It was supposed to be a joke. Oh, jeez. First sponsor is Maverick Convenience Store Chillers. No, no. What? They didn't pay for that? <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck Maverick. No! I Fuck love... Maverick unless Maverick is paying us. Okay. Uh, so, anyways. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome to the Nora's Eyes. Where you get to see Episode through... Episode number one. Nora's Eyes! Yeah. So. So this is the first podcast. Yeah, we said that We've like a million. We've been talking t- about doing this for a long time. We've been trying to do do it. For oh a yeah, long why don't time. we talk about like why we haven't been able to? Mostly, it's because most of the time we hate each other. Yeah. I think that's the main reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't make a good working relationship. We can't um, separate work and relationship right is there people that can do that i feel like there's got to be because if it's a family business you're running you're not just going not going to go to work one day like let's say we own a convenient a convenience store or something where you actually have to like run something Mm -hmm. i'm sure people even though they fight hardcore they don't just close down a convenience store Good point. But we just closed down the fucking convenience store. Well, that's the problem with a job that you, like, don't have to go to, you know? Yeah. Like, if you ever feel like you don't want to go, then you just don't go. And nothing happens. Like, you could just not go. Yeah, anyway, so Austin and I just don't go. (laughs) (laughs) I blame you. Okay, and and Asa's been like spending a lot of time like helping his family. I've been and, like, working nonstop. Oh uh, yeah, and like giving your spare time Nine. to everyone but me. So shout outs to Asif. And down goes the volume again. <laughs> and welcome to the show. Hi guys, welcome to our first podcast that you'll see. Um, I'm your host. You're the host. <laughs> I think we are co-hosts. Okay, whatever. You are not the host. I'm the host. No. Um. All right, so let's get to the chase then. What do you got for subjects for us? I don't know. Do I? Oh, okay. You know what we should talk about first? You have a list on your phone and you have a list. Right before we um, started filming this podcast, we went to a little convenience store because I was craving a drink really badly. And on the way to the convenience store, Asif reminded me of something that I thought would be really funny to talk about in a podcast. It's lighthearted. Now my phone went unlock, so love that for me. Mm-hmm. But um, whenever I go to the grocery store, Asif's always like, you buy everything that's tiny. And I'm like, okay, I don't see the issue. And... Um, The other, uh, okay, so maybe a couple weeks ago, I went to this gas station that has a Cinnabon inside, and I bought, like, six giant... Okay, you're not telling the story right. You're I not did. setting up any of it right. I'm no, no, starting me, it from the beginning. No, it's, it's my rant. Let oh, me okay. set it up. <laughs> okay. It's rude to cut people off, by the way. But it's rude to ruin my story. <laughs> you go, co-host. You go. I, I asked her... 
to get some cinnamon rolls, okay? And I come home from work, and there's these tiny little cinnamon rolls. Like, each one is this big. And there's, like, 12 of them or something, but they're this big. Excuse me. And it's the same thing she does. She does it with bagels. She buys the tiny little bagels. Instead of, like, a an adult-sized bagel, because we're adults... No, we got to buy the, like, uh, toddler-sized bagels. Portion control. With, like, 30 of them in a bag, but they're toddler size. What else did you do it with? What else do you do it with? Something else. Little Coke. Anytime. The, yeah, the little cans of Coke that are, like, just two gulps, and then, it's, and then the whole can is gone. Every time there's an option to get child-sized, like, the perfect amount to leave an adult unsatisfied. That's what she opts for. To you. To you. Maybe to you because <laughs> you're like you. a little, you're little. No, Asif. Let me tell not, you why I did that specifically with the cinnamon rolls. Because you hate America? No. I love super size. Um, yeah. Okay. You obviously don't. You obviously <laughs> like small size that leaves you wanting more. But it's. Okay, partial portion control, probably. But, no, the deal with the cinnamon rolls was because the two weeks before that, I brought home six giant ones, and nobody was eating them fast enough. Okay? Didn't we eat all of them? You did, but I'm pretty sure the last two you ate by the time they were, like, old or something. So I'd eat them faster if they were smaller? Yes, and fresher, and they'll be so much better. I don't like it. And whenever I buy a regular schmegular can of Coke, okay, or soda, I always don't finish like the very end of it. It's like the so bottle. So when it's you like have a when you have size. a small the baby can of Coke, mm-hmm. does it feel like it's enough? No, but it's like it's like so the perfect that's amount how of freshness. You feel? Imagine how I feel. Whatever. You're Anyways. a little girl. Imagine how I feel. Anyways, so we wanted to pick yes. some subjects to talk about. Mm-hmm. A lot of the subjects, it seems like, are going to be things that you guys have asked us about on different lives or whatever when we've interacted with you guys. Mm-hmm. So there's like a bunch of subjects that come up every time. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd start picking some of them and addressing them yeah are you ready to address some subjects now <laughs> i don't know if this is a dr- um address it okay whatever so uh, yesterday you were asleep on the couch okay and i was doing a live and we got into this subject okay but i can't remember right now what we were talking about so hopefully it'll come to me eventually but um uh <laughs> but the subject I think that we should talk about today is um, growing up Muslim in America and like our experience with it, how we've evolved, what do we feel about it now type shit. Okay. So, yeah, let's talk about, I think you should explain like your experience because yours is so different too, kind of in the beginning, right? Yeah, I feel like it's very different. Uh, like, what do you mean? And I think most people don't know that about you, too, is that you were, you were raised in, um, a household with two separate mm-hmm. religions, up to a very, I mean, you were pretty older still. Right. 
So yeah, tell us, tell them about that because nobody I'm knows. I'm going first? Yeah. I think you should go first. No, yours is more interesting. Mine's is like, it? oh, I was born Muslim, <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah, so my dad's from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to Denver right before the Russian war started. Came here to go to college. Uh, my mom's from here. Canyon City, to be exact. Yeah, Colorado. Which is where? <laughs> is in the middle of nowhere. It's where, you know where it's, it's everybody knows where. The Royal the, Gorge? The Royal Gorge, I don't know if everyone knows the oh, Royal Gorge. What were you but about to say? The, um, Florence. What's in Florence again? Oh, uh, the Supermax uh, prison. Yeah, so that's next door to Canyon City. So people in Colorado, I think, then they think of Canyon City, they think of FDX, right? Uh, That's what I, I think know. of every time. But so, which is shout super, out to the prison system. Super creepy to me. That's yeah. where they hold the worst of the worst, y'all. Like the worst of the worst. Yeah. Like the Boston bombing guys there. Who else? Like everyone's there. I don't there. know all the crazy people. Yeah, like all the real, like the Ted Kaczynski guys. Isn't that where he was? Who's that? Are you kidding? That sounds familiar. Isn't he the Unabomber? Oh, that's the Unabomber? Yeah, I think you're right. But they're all held there. Yeah. Or he was executed, maybe. I don't really know the story. But basically, okay. <laughs> so anyways. Middle nowhere. Yeah. Um, and my dad wasn't, like, he wasn't practicing any religion. He was an atheist. My mom, I think, grew up Lutheran. Really? Christian. Mm. What's the difference? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's one of the type of Protestant Christians that I think you just kind of go to church on Sunday and then just be nice to people. Hmm. Cool. But I don't really know. Uh, so I think like towards the end of elementary school, my dad started like looking into religion and like... End of elementary school? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, you I were... think, I don't really know no. exactly when. Maybe it was the middle of elementary school, yeah, I don't know. that sounds more. Like third okay. grade, fourth grade, maybe. And then, so I think since my mom was already a Christian, like, I don't think she was like super, super into it, but then, so he started going to church with her on Sunday and checking it out and stuff, and I guess had... Was into it for a little bit, but then had a lot of questions that no one had answers to. Mm. And then I think someone, I don't know how he, I think like the Tablikis came to the house. <laughs> just randomly? I think so. And so he ended up going like, to, we just like happened to completely coincidentally live two blocks away from a well, mosque. What's not, what, okay, for the people that don't know what a Tablikhi is. They're like the evangelicals of Muslims. Yes. So they'll like go door to door. Um, and especially specifically to uh, like Muslims houses that are not like really religious and try to get them to come back to the mosque and be religious and stuff. So I, I think that's what happened. And he ended up going to the mosque to check it out. and And then got really into that. So I... For, I don't know how long it was, a few years, 
um, would be, you know, my mom would be going to church on Sunday and my dad would be going to the mosque. And so we kind of had both of those things going on in the house at the same time. So you'd, you'd go to, do you remember going to church with your parents? Yeah. You mean your mom and then going to the mosque on Friday or what, or Sunday? Well, cause yeah, Sunday school. So what happened? You, you just alternate or? Well, I, I don't really remember. I don't really remember. Like I said, I, my mom wasn't ever like super, mm-hmm. super into it. So I think just the fact that my dad was getting more into Islam made her get a little bit more into mm-hmm. Christianity as a response to it. You like, know what I mean? Like out of rebellion or, or? No, just out of like, oh, you're going to do yours. I'm going to do mine, I guess. Um, you know, like. So weird. So, um, yeah. So I remember both of them going on. And, and I remember at some point. And I don't think it took very long, but at some point, it just, like, one seemed more clear to me. Really? Yeah. And so, like, I just, like, it's, uh, after not even that long, maybe a year or something, I told my mom, like, yo, I'm not really trying to go to church. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Ari, too? Or yeah. Have you, even have, that, have you ever had that conversation with him? No. What you do you should. mean? About like what that was like? Yeah, and if he remembers or like... No, I, we had that... I mean, Ari was with me when I had that conversation. So oh. I think we both kind of did it at the same time. Okay. Um. But I mean, I don't know. I think... I think... The real uh, question and struggle and reality of it doesn't start until later mm. anyways, you know? Like, yeah. It doesn't start until you start forming your own identity and your own relationship with the religion mm-hmm. and what type of role that plays in in who you are and how you live and mm. what, I mean... I think the reality is that for most of us, especially especially in the West, but I mean, the the culture of the West is now so globally spread that and and all the Muslim countries that got colonized, I think the big result has been that Islam has become an identity more than a spirituality. Like, it's not about the spirituality stuff really anymore. It's just about an identity. So, um, growing up, what stands out to me is, um, like, when we moved to Morocco and stuff, like, the reason they moved us to Morocco was to, like, learn the entire... They thought we were going to, like, learn Quran and Arabic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm curious, because I feel like you didn't have this. Like, did your dad, like... Like, my parents... Or maybe more so my mom, because she was the one that was always home with us. Um, but, like, learning Quran was so big. Like, if we didn't memorize this ayah, like, we were grounded all weekend. You know what I mean? Type mm-hmm. deal. Like, did that ever happen with you? I don't remember really negative stuff ever being attached to it. It was just mm-hmm. like, um, oh, we got to know this surah for Sunday class this week. So we'd just learn Did that it? surah and then next week um, it'd be the next surah. So we'd learn that surah. Like, I don't really remember negative <laughs> consequences. Maybe because I wasn't fucking up. 
So okay. what, a, what a concept. What do you mean? If so you would have just learned it, then you wouldn't have mm-hmm. got whooped for it. I didn't want to learn it. Because well, I didn't then. know any better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I feel like it was always such a... It was always negative. Also, you didn't grow... Okay, in second grade, we moved to Morocco. Um, and they just put us in, like, an Islamic school there. A really, really strict one where, like, it's normal for, like, middle schoolers to, like, wear borderline niqab. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but in Quran class, they would literally whoop these kids. Yeah. Like, like beat them. And that was so traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. And you never really experienced anything like that. No. Yeah, so that was that was my very, very young experience with that. Yeah, so that like links um Quran and religion and all that to mm-hmm. those traumatic Violence. violent experiences <laughs> in a young kid's mind. And it wasn't just like this Quran teacher was so extreme. Cause I, I we went to a French school um at the beginning of Oh, or maybe it was the end of fourth grade, beginning of fifth grade when we moved back to Morocco again. And yeah, they hit in school, but it was like a whole nother level the first time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, that's not normal. Oh, I knew it wasn't normal, you know? But I think, I don't even think my parents realized how bad it was in the school. Yeah. But yeah, so that was my first traumatizing experience with it. And so what, how did that, like, what kind of impact do you feel like that made? Well, because... Especially when you came back here. Um, I just, I knew that, like, I think I just subconsciously just didn't care about memorizing Quran like that. Because of that? Maybe. Or, be, uh, yeah. Or it, probably, that I feel even. like it must have played a role, you know? No, because before that, I I don't remember... I don't remember when the forcing of the Ayah Surah type thing started. Mm-hmm. When when you were learning, mm-hmm. did, you, uh, did you ever... Was the, like, understanding of what it what you were no. learning ever a part of it? Never. It was just memorizing something that you didn't understand. Yeah. Because, yeah, because I didn't learn Moroccan. Like, my Moroccan wasn't established until fifth grade, right? So, mm-hmm. like, that's the only reason I can understand more now ever than I was. Yeah, I was too young and I didn't, I, I wasn't established in Arabic like I, like I... Fluent, you mean? I'm not even... I wouldn't even say I'm fluent. Oh, whatever level is under fluent? Yeah. Yeah. What was the question? Uh, Just like what it was like when you came back. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know if that's... That must have played a role, you know? I mm-hmm. just was never into memorizing, especially the whole Quran, like everyone's like, you know, obsessed with. Like those type of parents that are obsessed with like their kids memorizing the whole Quran by the time they're eight or whatever. Right. And mind you, I have 
I'm, I can memorize shit really easily. So, like, if anyone was going to be pay- capable of that in my family, I think they really, you they know. They thought it was going to be you? They really thought it was going to be me. Yeah. At least that's, I mean, my mom echoes that till this day. Mm-hmm. Because I had almost the entire Soros cough down. Uh-huh. But, yeah. I think that is, um, I think that says something about what the current state is for Muslims and Islam in the world. Like, there's this whole, but I mean, like, at you, least generation of people, mm-hmm. like the generation that came before us, mm-hmm. that never gave a thought to, like, oh, we should have some understanding behind what we're doing. And maybe that happened. We should understand what we're learning. It's just like pure regurgitation and memorization and do things this way and just just do it because we told you to do it and just do it. And that's the whole thing of all it was. But what I think, there was no depth. Yeah. And I think for us specifically, like my family, was because my mom was the main one with us all the time. She's mm-hmm. not the Arabic speaking one. Mm-hmm. So maybe that played a bigger role as to why we didn't. I don't know. I don't think so because that has nothing to do with wanting to understand. I mean, and prioritizing understanding over just pure memorization with no nothing to back it up. So, but I remember in like fifth grade, what's the good of just memorizing something you don't even understand or know? So I remember. I think it was like in fifth grade around then when that. She was, she thought the entire time we knew. I remember her being shocked, us not knowing what, um, sort of the Fatiha means. Mm. Like we were praying all the time, but we had no idea what, like, what we were saying. Uh-huh. And again, another traumatizing moment because she made us write it down until we got it uh-huh. in English. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that. Yeah. I remember Iman doing, like, just because she wanted to go places, you know? Like, we, literally, we weren't allowed to, like, that was, like, our chore or whatever. Uh-huh. We weren't allowed to go do fun things until we did that. hmm So, you never had anything like that? I mean, I probably had... Um, some point where I learned that. Yeah, I just, I feel like that's a big difference between you and me. (laughs) You just did it. I kind of just everything, (laughs) everything that I like am presented with that I have to do in life. I just try to do it with a good attitude and do a good job at it. And your approach is everything that I have to do in life. Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. That's what I'm saying. Like I've always been like this since I was a child. Yeah. Very like, hard, very hard to work with. <laughs> I don't want to. Very do hard things. to work with. Like people tell me to do. Yeah. Which is why. I don't know. You're very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So. Uh, how do you get from that to where you are now? Well, I mean, there's still so much in the middle. Okay. Like hijab. 
I was forced to wear a hijab in sixth grade in the middle of the school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't want to? I didn't want to. Which is weird because, I mean, like, we grew up wearing hijab on the weekends all the time, you know? It came natural then. I think it's, I really, I don't know. Part of me, any men, I think, I remember men saying this a lot when we were as teenagers, my sister, saying, like, if we were just allowed to, like, wear jeans and dress, you know. Um, dress normal, normal, but wear a scarf. Yeah, uh-huh. that it wouldn't have been so bad for her. She wouldn't have fought it as much. That makes sense. But it's because literally the second, like, my mom found out that I got my period, like, she took me that day to go get a whole new wardrobe. Of stuff that was uncool. Literally the worst shit ever. Uh-huh. Like super long, baggy, every... Like, because, you know, we didn't have modest fashion lines then. I feel like we still don't really now. But, like, even back then it was even less. Right. So it was just the ugliest shit ever. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, tanked my self-esteem and like everything because even growing up like they made small changes here and there like we were never allowed to wear just bathing suits you know we always had to put like shorts on top of the bathing suits so I feel like they kind of did that stuff kind of gradually you know Mm -hmm. um well we always hated that too so what do you think is um And like and like ice skating? My grandma would always take us ice skating. Have you seen ice skating like dresses? They're like super short. Oh yeah. Yeah, like my grand my mom would like Can you just wear tights underneath it? Not good enough. Um so what do you think is the right like thing? Like how are how are you supposed to handle that? Like is it do you think that it's wrong? For a parent to force their daughter to wear... I do. To wear that? I do. I think you can teach them, this is what I would like you to do, and this is why. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately it should come from them, right? Yeah. I mean, me personally, I don't think you should be able to force anyone to do anything. God bless. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have a choice. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have the freedom. No, okay, let's put Layla in. Well, let's think about Layla for a second. Like, if Layla wants to walk out of the house in basically an underwear, <laughs> are you going to stop her? Because that's what I, she wants. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess it depends I mean? on the age. So, I think, yeah. Yeah, but I think because that stuff happened, kept well, So, how old over... were you when that started? Yeah, like, the ice skating thing was super young. Yeah, but I mean, like, how old were you when you first had to wear hijab? Like, f- like full 14? time? Yeah, 13. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, like, at 13, I'm not ready to just let Layla choose whatever she wants to wear. And I wasn't just wanting to go outside in the underwear either. Well, uh, that's all, like, subjective, you know? I guess. What do you mean? Whatever your parents think is acceptable, that's a very subject subjective thing based on Regardless, culture and based it'll on fuck you up. Yeah, but I think 
that's having low self-esteem is a normal part of being that age and growing up. For sure. Everyone has low self-esteem at that point. But making Or most you... everyone. And I think what what you had to deal with with being forced to wear a hijab and like everything else that came with that, like obviously that impacted it negatively. Mm-hmm. And so you link all of that to that. Mm. Like with me, I had low self-esteem at that when I was that age too, but I didn't have like having to wear hijab or something to link it to. It was just that period of time in my life, that age. And so then once I get past that, then I'm not like holding on to something as the blame for that. Well, I really, I remember being 13 and I remember not having low self-esteem. So it happened as soon as you had to wear a hijab? To me, if I, how I remember it. Yeah. How I remember it, yes. Uh Because I don't, I don't think I, like, I feel like I was, the anytime, anytime I struggled with low self-esteem, it was because of situations I was in. Cause I f- Tell me more. I feel like I grew up pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I had the balls to, like, go run away in Morocco and, like, go hang out with a separate family. That's not... You know what I mean? Like, okay. I feel like I was confident a lot of times, except in certain... When I was put in certain situations. Uh-huh. And so it all... It, the, the shifting point was when you had to start wearing hijab. Yeah, I get like with how I remember it. Yes. Mhm. So then I started wearing hijab. Like I think it was a whole year before he met, or at least a good, like six months before her. I. And I feel like that was harder for me because I just expected if I had to do it, she needs to do it too. Right. But that's not how it went down. Because you guys are twins. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever. And I would always take it off at school and get caught. My mom would, like, show up to school. Or, like... I'd wear jeans underneath the pant. Like, my friends would give me their jeans, and I'd be wearing them at school, and then I'd come home, and they'd, they'd be underneath my pants. And I'd get caught wearing... Two pairs of pants? Yeah, and then she'd cut them up, even though they weren't mine. Mm. Or just show up in the middle of the school day to make sure I was wearing it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Who's got time? <laughs> How did you have so much time? <laughs> you had so many kids. Why did you make the time? That's funny. Yeah. And what's so crazy is my grandma, okay, um, would hate all of that hijab stuff, but she would be the one sewing our special uniforms for, like, gym class. Right. And stuff. That's what's so confusing to me. 
Why is it confusing? Because why would you, you hated all that shit. So why would you, why would you contribute? Well, clearly she didn't have a choice. If she could have made you regular shit, I'm sure she would have preferred that. Yeah, but like why even make the unregular shit? Well, clearly it was for you, not for the sake of hijab. I guess. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that, but Layla is like <laughs> screaming and laughing. In the background, yeah. downstairs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a little background on my my mom. She was raised in a conservative household, but her dad's Christian Lebanese. He was raised Christian Lebanese, so... Like, my mom was still expected to dress modestly for the most part. And my grandma, my grandma growing up, I don't remember what religion she was, but super, super conservative. And that's why she hates all of that shit. All she religion? Was, or all, or like... Like a, super conservative religion? Yeah. Uh-huh. Because she was hella forced to yeah. do, sounds like same thing but almost worse right so well i think my mom it was probably worse because back in the day there wasn't really an alternative Mm -hmm. you know like so but that's what's crazy to me is my mom became muslim then became this super conservative muslim chick right and so you'd think she would be more understanding of like us not wanting to do that you know? Your mom? Yeah. That's how Why? I see it. Why? Because you did the opposite of what your parents... Yeah. I, yeah, we've talked about yeah, that before. Yeah, that's why... But I don't think that... Have you ever talked to her about that? No. Because that, that strikes me... I don't think. That, like, strikes me as something that she's never, like, processed that particular thought. And my dad, I don't think he grew up in a religious household. No, it doesn't seem like it at Mm-mm. all. I think it he doesn't... found that on his own. Did he even find it on his own? It seemed like mostly found it from your mom. No, he was fasting when they met. Yeah, but everyone That's how they fasts met. over there. I guess. You don't even have not to be that everyone. religious. Not Most everyone. everyone. Most everyone. Anyways. But yeah, so... Just interesting... And then we started hanging out at the mosque a lot in when? You and... I feel like you didn't. I feel like I went to the mosque in hopes of seeing you. <laughs> like, if that... I don't think it would have been the same. You know? I wonder. The same what? Like, because you remember that period in time where your dad was, like, involved mm-hmm. at the mosque? Yeah. Like, do you feel like you would have hung out at the mosque if your dad wasn't, like, the president at the time? Uh, I've, I mean, I was a kid. I was just going wherever my parents took me. No, you were a teenager at that time. So it's like... Oh, you're talking about, like, yeah. when we were teenagers? Oh, yeah. Like, well, oh, I guess, yeah, because I'm trying to do a timeline here, you know? I feel like this time I was going so slow. It is, but you got to say it's the backstory now. It's painfully slow, I feel like. Okay, I'm sorry. I like to give detail. Okay. You don't? 
I, you don't I don't think, know. Do you I don't never even think about this stuff, I guess. Oh, see, I think about all the details and all the facts, awesome, because facts matter. Yeah, but facts can also ruin your life. Really? For sure. To you. If you spend all of your time now thinking about all the shit from when you were 12. I have photographic memory. Well, you need to figure out a way to let go of that shit. <laughs> okay. Um, tell us about Crescent View. Uh, it's a private Islamic school that I went to for middle school. Was that traumatizing? No, I don't feel like I'm traumatized by anything. It was traumatizing for Abdullah. Well. We need to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Because I would love to know why. Why it was traumatizing for him? Or like what it was about his childhood. Because like he was also so much older than us. Not so much older, a couple me, of years. Right? Well, I mean, he handled everything so much differently than we did. Yeah? Like what? I don't know, just always freaking out. <laughs> I just feel like he was always freaking out. Yeah, I think that's just his personality, <laughs> though. Um, but yeah, so Crescent View, so it was fine. Weren't they uh, super no, I mean, strict? Switching schools sucks when you're a kid. Like, oh, so you remember? I was in the same school from pre-K to fifth grade. And so the whole time I was with all my friends, we all knew each other, you know, everything. And then you go from that, from knowing everyone all of those years, to a new school where you don't know anybody and you don't have any friends. So that I think that was by far the most traumatic part of it for me. Really? Yeah, for sure. But you made such a good group of friends at the time at Crescent View. Like, you ran that shit. Um, the first year, definitely not. Really? Yeah. The first year was super lonely. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, I made friends, but it wasn't... I think I was, I think I had too low self-esteem to ever really feel like, oh yeah, I have a good group of friends and we're all actually friends and care about each other and shit. Which is so shocking to hear for me. Yeah? Because your persona was like the complete opposite. Yeah, you got to build a, build a shell to live in. Asif was such a bully to all the girls. Especially. That's the, like, main uh, thing about bullies is, like, they're picking on everyone because they have low self-esteem. Yeah, but... And then you're surprised that I had low self-esteem. Do you remember when you said that to Iman, like, recently? Uh Uh-huh. And even she was like, really? (laughs) Yeah, but, I I mean, I can see how you didn't think that at the time, but then, like... Well, yeah, I guess. Now, looking back, everyone should be able to put that together, I feel like. still... I just thought you were cocky as fuck. I mean, that's a defense mechanism, too, usually. Okay, but, like, I don't, like, yeah, yeah. But you don't think The cocky dudes are the really insecure dudes, usually. Yeah, I guess so, huh? Yeah, they're overcompensating. Hmm. But, you know, I don't know, at that time... Was it easier to go through Crescent View and the change because Ari was with you, though? No, I don't think so. The first year, Ari wasn't with me. He wasn't? No. Oh, yeah, because he's younger. Yeah, he was still finishing at U Park. Mm. Um, and then he came 
either the next year or the year after that. Mm. But that transition was... I think it was, like I said, more just about having friends. When was the... When did your dad, like, get super strict, like, the no music type deal? And the no... I think that was starting... I I think from the moment he kind of started taking it seriously. Um, So that wasn't a problem for you? You don't remember that being, like... I mean, I was... I think by the time that happened, I was so young that I was... I mean, I wasn't, like, into music on right. my own or anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I was too young. And by the time you got into, into it, Before already... I even got into it, it was just like, oh, no, we don't... We're not doing music. Yeah, but by the time you got into it, he had jumped out of that phase or what? Yeah, so I had, like... I guess for those years, I grew up not listening to any music, really. Um, and then it must have... When was that? I guess in high school. I got, like, super into, like, 60s hippie rock and roll type stuff. So weird. And so bought a drum set, and, you know, we had a band set up in the garage and stuff. And it, it was kind of like my dad was way cooler about that stuff, but we never had, like, an explicit conversation of, like, I guess music is okay. It was just like, I bought a drum set. Let's put it in the garage, and let's just... Like God, well, they're just impl- like, we'll hear it as loud as it, as loud as it is. Yeah, but- yeah, but we never like I never like asked my dad if I could do that or something. I just bought a drum set and started playing in the garage, mm. and apparently he was cool with it. Yeah, my whole life, no music. Yeah, that's a weird one. I feel like. Like, out of all the things, that's a super weird... Like, we get like there's so some... much trouble if we were caught listening to it. Yeah. And it, the weird thing is, like, it's it's not just music. It's, like, art in general. Mm-hmm. That, like, that super hard-line conservative Muslim doesn't jive with. Like, you can't have music, you can't have any art with any, th- any like, living creature with a face or anything. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Don't even get me started. The like, no what, I mean, we can make a whole list of the things you can't do. But uh, what it functions to do is to cut off you from connecting to beauty. And it fo- it, it allows you... The only means of connecting to beauty is like through Quran or something like that. Yeah. It limits you just to that. And that's, it's way too limiting. Like there, Allah didn't just create Quran as the only way to like have spirituality or know God or something. The whole world is, is a means for mm-hmm. you to know God. The mm-hmm. whole world is like, can be a mosque for you or whatever, or a way to find your way to God mm-hmm. and to limit yourself to that. I mean, that's kind of the whole the whole thesis of that type of of religious movement is limitation and i think the control that you can exert through that limitation and that goes for every religion too yeah, yeah for sure everybody has that yeah all the every religion that ha- that they usually all have that kind of very literalist fundamentalist so when i talk about my movement. experience i'm not really trying to bash islam just how we were taught it 
Yes. That happens in every strict religious household, no matter what it is. Like if you're Pentecostal. Like we were talking about your grandmother. Like she was, she's from Switzerland, right? Yes. So it it was some type of Christianity, obviously, mm-hmm. that she, that her family was a part of. But it was the same stuff. It was like super limiting. Like all the women had to dress this certain way, and uh, you know all of this type of control. Yeah. Um. I forgot what we were saying right before that, though. Just um. How what were we talking music and how limiting um. Art, mm-hmm. like just that that whole, you know, no figures, yeah, type deal. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I was gonna say next. So, um, you know, the Muslim community that we grew up in mm-hmm. in Denver. I mean, I don't know how it felt for you, but for me, when you're in the middle of it, you have no perspective on it. You can, you, you know. It's only till you get some distance that you can look back on it and have a perspective. Because I didn't realize until much later, until recently, you know, towards the end of my twenties, mm-hmm. what a um, whatever the opposite of diverse is. Like that's what our community was. Mm-hmm. There was no diversity of thought there. There was no diversity of practice there. It was all homogenous, like quote unquote orthodox super conservative like Salafi um type of practice and teaching Mm -hmm. yeah no and I I think I noticed that like you said yeah my mid 20 like when I started traveling more Mm -hmm. and meeting other Muslims yeah 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 so you know you come from a community that basically functions as a bubble mm-hmm. and keeps everyone in that and and all of the all of the different sheikhs and all of the different mosques they're all on that same type of thing you mm-hmm. know like we're all part of that same thing and you get only one very limited perspective of what Islam is from a very certain strand of it you know you we don't even we never I don't remember ever learning about any other like interpretations of anything in Islam. It was like, oh no, this is the right way. This is how we do it. This is the only right way to do it, you know? Yeah, and forget learning interpretations like uh, the only is the only th- for me, I don't know if it's just me, but like the only thing I learned about Islam was every all the things that were haram. Yeah, that's We've talked about that before, too. That's... Like, I didn't learn, like, the beauty of it. Yeah. Or, like, how Allah is so merciful. Like, they'll say that in passing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, like, Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. Like, you say that constantly if you're, like, a practice... If you're practicing and you're religious. Right. But nobody... I feel like growing up emphasized that. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, like, Like that's the most, like, how often do you say the most gracious, the most merciful? Like, how often do you say that if you're a practicing Muslim? Yeah, all the time. 24-7. 
But nobody wants to put emphasis on that. And no one internalizes that. And no yeah. one practices that. No one embodies that. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to be doing is like trying to embody these things. Mm-hmm. But the problem is like we talked about before, uh, the reality. I think it. I think it happens, like I said, in the West and in countries that were colonized. It becomes just an identity. It's no longer a spirituality. Yeah. It's it's missing that aspect of it. Islam. It was never a spirituality for me. No, it was never for me either. Like, that's what I'm saying. That, that, that type of practice that is about identity and it's only about, like, this is haram, this is halal, that you do this, you have to do this, you don't do that. Can in this situation, can I do this? No. If in right. this situation, can I do that? Yes. In this situation, sometimes. And this, you're like, yeah. that's not what religion is supposed to be about. That's not what spirituality is supposed to be about. That's not what, what, it's, what it is. It's supposed to be about something much deeper than that. Not about like the do's and don'ts to be this little perfect robot soldier. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be finding a way in your life in the particulars of your situation and the particulars of your life and your personality and your experience a way to connect to the divine mm-hmm. and to transcend everything and have that connection and and feel that depth of that spirituality and that spiritual connection to the creator and the reality of everything around you and everything you could ever experience mm-hmm. And that is something much deeper that you cannot get from don't listen to music, don't eat this. You have to You have to put your hands like that. No, yeah. Like, that, like the beating drum. Like, forget about me knowing what I'm saying during prayer. It was about how my foot was or my ankle or like right. how far down my back was, how straight my back was, how my palms had to rest at the top of my knees. Like... All that shit was so much more emphasized than anything I, you know, I don't know the spiritual side of it at all. Right. That side is not emphasized at all. That side became segregated off from the religion and cast aside as something negative when they call people Sufis. You know, that's what that is. Mm -hmm. Sufism is that spiritual side of it that has become a dirty word to a lot of Muslims. Why? See, I don't even know too much about Sufism to know, like, why. I just, like you said, like, it's negative. Um, Like, when people talk about it, they talk about it negatively because, like, growing up in Morocco, whenever we saw Sufis, they were, like, swaying back and forth or whatever. Right. Or, like, is Zam's mom Sufi? Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like she was my first... um, known in her i feel like i you know because she's visibly sufi right or like tell me people i mean that's i only remember like i only know her as being sufi yeah see it it got laid back hippie it got cut off from the rest of of this of the practice of muslims and became kind of its own thing separate Mm. and especially like the idea of opening up Sufism for non-Muslims in the West. You know, that's something that happened, like, the beginning of the last century. Um, but traditionally, throughout all of Islamic history, that was one aspect of the religion that you would study just like you would study Aqidah, you would study Quran, you would study Sirah, you would study Sufism also. Mm-hmm. So that's the spiritual aspect of 
the religion. That's the um, side of it that is like, okay, we have all this information, we have all these beliefs, we have these practices. How do I apply that to myself so that it purifies my soul and turns me into a better version of myself and turns me into a better person? Also, um, just a little side note, if we can, because um, I know we're not just trying to attract necessarily Muslim listeners. Right. There's a lot of non-Muslims that follow me as well, you know, and so they don't know what Aqidah is or or Sira or whatever. Right. Like, so we have to keep that in mind when we're talking about. For sure, about. for sure. Just, I mean, just different aspects of like what you would learn about different categories, I guess, of education within like Islamic faith. So you would have like stories of the prophet. You would have like um, creed and beliefs and you would have legalistic things and you would have then also the spiritual side. So then if you cut off the spiritual side, Mm -hmm. what does that leave your religion with? It leaves you with some kind of deformed, crippled version of what a religion is supposed to be. And that's, I think, the reality of where a lot of Muslims and Muslim communities are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious just by reading all the stupid comments that happen on social media. Right. Like, they emphasize, they, hijab as, it has turned into a pillar of Islam for, like, the world. Mm-hmm. Literally. And that that's it's reinforced by the fact that it's so much just about identity, and that is a clear identity marker. The hijab, right? Yep. You know, but I don't know if you've ever listened to Abdul Hakim Murad. No. But anyone that's interested in these topics, he's like probably the best person you could think of to listen to about stuff like this. The white guy. Yeah, he's a British white guy. Um, but he's like a super eloquent guy, super like educated in the like traditional British sense of the word, you know, like he'll, he can quote lines of Shakespeare and, (laughs) um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, but the way that he put it, I think kind of made the most sense of anyone that I've ever heard. And he was saying that religion for many people has is has turned into uh, a stick that they can use to beat people with. Mm-hmm. It's turned sure. into a microphone for their ego. Yep, 100%. When the purpose, the true purpose of it is um, a way to... Soften. To soften yourself and make yourself more merciful and uh, alter your perspective on things in a positive way way so that instead of like it if you being more religious makes you more of an asshole you're doing it wrong oh what the fuck? and that's what happens with most of the people as they get more religious like if you're you doing too. it right yeah i mean we watched it with you for sure we, we yeah i went through that phase for sure um but that's the thing if you're doing it right and we watched it with me too i guess in turn i mean mine was more how i judged iman mm. you know right that's that's the biggest eye-opening for me. Right. So the the perspective that should happen is, a, is it should change your perspective into one of positivity and mercy mm-hmm. and kindness. And if it's doing the opposite of it, you're, on, you're not going down the right path. Yeah. 
you know, that's the clear test of it. If you're someone who's like super judgmental and angry mm-hmm. and just like jumping down everyone's throat. Wanting and to telling, advise everyone. What the right. fudge? Right. What is wrong with you? I mean, you're, there's, it's like this kind of ego and self-righteousness yeah. that overrides just a basic understanding of human psychology. Yes. Like you should be able to realize like, oh, if I'm just like in a very harsh manner correcting someone about everything that they do. Publicly embarrassing you. How do you think they're going to react to that? Yeah. What kind of association do you think that they're going to make to you, to the message that you're trying to send, to what you're trying to represent? It's all going to be negative. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. At a psychological level. Make it make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't, but it's just (laughs) about um identity you know it's about forging a group identity and having like this is my tribe these are my people we all believe the same thing mm-hmm. which is a, a very uh evolutionarily advantageous thing to do like it makes sense to be able to forge a stronger group identity than the guys over there right so that when, if we have to go to war our team is going to be stronger <laughs> and we could defeat them but now that type of stuff doesn't help us anymore. That mm-hmm. type of stuff doesn't help us survive anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's past its usefulness. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out a way in the modern world now to get past this stuff. Because it's just dragging people down. It's just making people miserable. It's not helping anymore. Yeah, for sure. And there seems to be, like, that seems to be what the need is, is figuring out okay, there's there's all these negative tendencies that come along with being super religious, it seems like, from every religion. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the past, those had evolutionary purposes to help people survive in groups and cities survive against foreign attacks and whatever. Now, not so much. Now, it just kind of tears people apart. So the the question for religious people is how do we it, like why would you yeah you know. how do how do you get rid of the negative stuff without throwing out the baby with the bathwater how do you get past those negative tendencies mm-hmm. without going full on like anti-religious right. atheist secularism yeah. right. you know what i mean yeah like because that's the natural response to it right and that's how people respond at a societal level right because if you look at human history like as societies go it's not a, a a precisely steered ship it's a giant ship that's super hard to steer and we just overcorrect from one extreme all the way to the other. So you'll swing from a society that's super, super religious and too, you know, too uh, conservative. And then in order to correct from that, we'll go all the way to the other side, to a society that's super secular and super anti-religious. Mm-hmm. It's super hard to stay in the middle. Mm-hmm. But however we're going to do that, I think is that's kind of the role that needs to be played by people our age, especially in the West that come from Muslim backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you feel like you've been able to do that yourself? And have you been able to do that yourself? I feel like coming once I started realizing these type of things. And what was the realization? Like, do you remember what, like, the, dis- the, the 
the moment you it started It might changing? have literally been Abdul Hakim Murad. Like just one of his lectures? Yeah, I think so. What? Yeah, I think so. Look him up on YouTube. Um, I think that's kind of what it was. And so then I think following that, I, I think I was trying to think about these things and how to do that and what role to play. So is he not super religious? Abdul Hakim Murad? Mm-hmm. No, he is. Mm-hmm. But... But he's just not super, like, he's, he's not, like, like, Salafi, like, religious. Mm-hmm. You know, he's... He's a very, like, he's, I think, more balanced and more comprehensive Mm. and more informed uh, historically and philosophically and Mm -hmm. all that type of stuff. So he brings a lot of perspective to everything. I mean, you could, I feel like we could go on and on, especially if we talked about. It could be an ongoing subject. We could talk about particular issues. Particular issues. Like how, um, I don't know how long we've been going for. But, like, what's huge in my world is, like, a bunch of people that are popular on the internet removing their hijab and the backlash they get for that. Mm -hmm. But everyone wants to um, cover it up and say, no, but hijab is is, um, a choice. But then you see the majority... Uh, Of the comments... You see that it's not a choice? You see it's, like, socially enforced? Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are your views on that? I mean, I fucking hate being associated with Muslims at that point. You know what I mean? Of it, yeah, of the forceful aspect of it. Yeah, and you guys are all hypocrites. Well, it's like that was controversial when it happened with uh, Dina Tokyo. Mm -hmm. And I remember she made a comment like that these hijabi (laughs) community online is basically like a cult. (laughs) Is that what she... No, I thought she... Did she say cult? I don't remember. I thought she said just they're toxic. Oh, is that what she said? And people ran with whatever she said. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they they were like so offended. They're like, oh, so, so, okay. I'm really glad we're touching on this because, you know, one of, like, Amina just took her hijab off. And if you guys don't know who Amina is, like, I go way back with her because, Oh, I'm this a, is a YouTube person? Yeah, she's a big YouTuber. Okay. I go back way back with her because I met her back when I first started in Orange County. Uh-huh. And she's literally the most sweet, kindest human being. Like, one of the most wholesome, like, people I've ever met online. Okay. And she has a very successful hijab company. Uh-huh. And she just removed her hijab. Um... And I'm so sick of seeing these comments where it's like, oh, so now you capitalized off of the backs of hijabis, whatever. Um, And now you decide that, you know, once you've got fame and money or whatever their stupid comment is. Uh And honestly, if you guys literally go, if she was as, you know, shady and um, whatever, all the things you think of her as for all the people that are writing these things, she would keep her hijab on if she wanted to milk it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. These, these stupid I think comments like that... And comments that everyone's making doesn't make any sense because all... If you go to her channel, for example, I did this myself, just to, like, 
make sure that I'm not like just talking out of my ass. Yeah. Like her most popular videos are hijab tutorials. Uh-huh. So if she really cared about the fame and the money, you know, and all that shit that y'all think she cares about so much, she'd continue to do that for the rest of her life and just right. Cause she has all little, of you hoes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not doing that. And neither is anyone else. Nobody's just taking it off all because of now they think they get... You literally, you guys don't realize this, but you get less opportunities because now you're just a part of, you know, everyone else. There's more competition. There's more competition. If you're a hijabi, you at least have something special about you. You have a niche market that you can capitalize on. You have a captive audience that goes with you. Yeah. If you take it off, you become just... uh, one in a giant pool of just regular chicks. Okay. So, yeah, that argument just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we were just talking about with, yeah. with religion and everything, you mm-hmm. know? Like, it, it, it's just a way for people to pad their own ego by judging other people. And so they feel better about themselves when usually it comes from a place of um, jealousy. A hundred percent. Like you can, you can like read the envy in like yeah. the words of all the comment. You know what I mean? Right. 90. P- I used to always say this, like when I had my lip pierced and people were coming for my throat mm-hmm. because I was like, you know, it I did that, I did that when like nobody had facial piercings. Yeah. And I was literally, all I could think about was all you jealous hoes, <laughs> you know, that you don't have the balls to do it yourself or the balls, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're literally all just mad because either they're being forced to wear hijab. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, or they don't well, have the see, guts that's, to take it off themselves. That was the interesting thing about, um, I mean, I don't really know or follow any of the like hijabi right. girls that like took off their hijab and stuff. Like Dina right. Tokyo is the only one I know because I've like seen you watching her stuff and like yeah. heard you talking about her. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that really shows something that I think, uh, especially people our age, need to grapple with in the Muslim community, which is this whole time we're claiming, we're claiming that it's voluntary. Yeah. We're claiming that, no, hijab is my choice. Mm -hmm. No one's forcing me to wear this. But it doesn't seem like that based on people's reaction when someone chooses not to wear it. Because you don't have the choice. It's not freedom of choice if you're only free to choose one way. Mm-hmm. It's only freedom of choice when you have the freedom to choose the opposite of what everyone else wants you to do. For That's real. when you have real freedom. For real. So if no one else is forcing you, if it's not your dad or your husband, and it's not this whole group horde of like jealous bitches online... And this whole culture of, uh, you know, judgment and, like, all these women that'll talk shit about you. Like, we, you, we need to have a conversation about that. About, like, is this really uh, something that women are choosing to do? It, do they have the freedom to not do it and not face consequences for it? No. Because it seems like if you, you have the freedom to choose this as long as you choose what we want you to choose. Otherwise, there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. That's not really freedom of choice. And then they want to talk. And if you want to act like uh, religion and Islam is about something real and it's about God, mm-hmm. 
then what what is it what do you accomplish by forcing people to follow it for real if it's really about god then people got to choose their own relationship with god and if they're not doing it with the right intention of i'm doing this cuz i care about god i'm doing this because i don't want to get haters online right i'm doing this because i don't want to be judged on instagram or from my dad or whatever like that is tainting the intentionality of wearing it or not wearing it. So uh, these are all things that um, I I think people and then need everybody to wants deal with. to get mad about like American like uh, like just regular Americans and how they're saying like how they don't like hijab because it is oppressive, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it. I but mean, like, if everyone's forced to wear it, that sounds kind of oppressive. It's you know what hella I mean? Oppressive. Like you gotta be okay with people choosing to wear it, and I you just, gotta be okay with people not wearing it. And I just hate. I hate. If you care about freedom. Yeah, and you know that's great that you've chosen to wear it and all, but stop dismissing the girls that you know were forced to wear it. And they and like this happened to me on Twitter like not too long ago of when um, I was retweeting this girl's story with her. Um, like it was just a terrible story, like forced to go to Iraq and like she had to run away and like use the U.S. embassy. And like she was talking about her hijab experience. And I like retweeted that because like it's totally valid, you know, mm-hmm. and somebody wanted to jump down my throat for retweeting it because. They say, well, no, her parents mixed culture with religion. But no, they're doing it in the name of Islam. Yeah, my whole thing on that is, like, you got to deal with what people are actually doing. Yeah. Not what, like, some high-minded, like, utopian vision of what Islam is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Islam is what people in the real world are practicing it as. Exactly. That's what you have to judge it by. Just like a person, if I tell you all day... What a great guy I am, and yeah. I'm so tr- charitable and merciful. But then when you see me downtown, I go and kick a bum in the face mm-hmm. instead of giving money. Are you going to judge me based on all the great things that I told you that I stand for? Or are you going to judge me on based on how I actually am? You judge people based on how they actually behave in real life in the real world. Not based on all the aspirational claims that they make in fantasy land of how perfect they want to be. So the same thing has to be applied to that. It is what people practice it as in the real world. Mm -hmm. And you can make whatever type of excuses you want to make of how it's been, you know, contaminated by outside inputs of cultures and corruptions and stuff like that. I'm not dismissing that either. That's just the reality of real life and the real world. And Muslims have to have the intellectual honesty to be self-critical. And we don't. This is something that has happened, I don't know about pre, but definitely post 9-11 environment. A lot of Muslims, since 9-11, we felt like we're under attack from the outside world. And so we can't criticize our own because we're too busy defending ourselves from the outside. Now's not the time that we can criticize or pick on any of our own guys. No, we need to be self-critical. We need to address the problems in our community. That's how we got in this situation because we were unwilling to be honest with ourselves and correct the people that needed to be corrected and not stand up to the people that need to be stood up to. That's how we got here. Yep. So yeah. we have to have that self-critical 
ability. The the people that need to be shut down and called out on on wherever you want to do it is not the person sharing her story of being like you know traumatized and terrorized by these crazy people. For real. The people that are making Islam look bad are not the ones talking about their horrible experiences. <laughs> the people making Islam look bad are those people that were doing all the fucked up shit. For real. Those are the people you need to be after. Uh. Those are the people you need to be calling out. Those are the people you need to be critical of. Not the people that are the victims of it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of victims that are catching the heat of the perpetrators just because we want to protect the image of making everything look better. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same stuff that happened with the Catholic Church. You know? Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about what all the priests are doing, so we're going to make these kids suffer even more because we, we, we don't want to look bad. And yeah, that's what it's Muslims the same thing. Do. The Muslims are doing the same thing. We don't want to look uh. bad, so we're going to protect these monsters and let the victims suffer more Yeah, to protect the image of it. Right. Yeah. That's shameful. Yeah, I literally had to block someone yesterday because she was doing that stupid shit on my life. Yeah. I was like criticizing Muslim majority of Muslims because, yeah, whatever. I don't remember what I was talking about. And she was like, how could you say that? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's another important thing. No one is above criticism. How no, could you say that about your own None of us hey-ball? are perfect. There's no perfect institution. Everything has to be criticized. That's the only way you can keep corruption in check. That's the only way you can improve things. Like, you can't improve anything if you don't have the freedom to say that there's something wrong. You have to have the freedom to say there's something wrong if you want to solve a problem. Otherwise, you can't even ever admit that there's a problem. So that's um, one of the main things. (laughs) I read my DMs sometimes and someone's like, oh no, you're showing more and more hair. That's such a scary thing. It's like a... I think you have... It's the same It's the same things. judgmental type of attitude, but lacking any sort of uh, honesty or balls, you know? Yeah. It's just like cowardly version of being super judgmental. You're still being super judgmental. You're just being, like, uh, weak about it. Especially I don't know with, if that's any better. Especially with no. At least you can, like, sort of uh, respect people for, like, really standing up to what the, for, what for what they, they believe, believe in. in. But yeah. when you're, like, kind of backhandedly trying to do no. it. Like, you just seem like a judgmental asshole and a coward. Yeah. It's not because, oh, yeah, I respect you because you stand up for what you believe in. No, because you're doing it all wrong. If what yeah. you believed in, that's not how you would be treating people. But that is what they believe in, is that's the way to treat people. Yeah, you learn your religion, you idiot. That's their version of it. Yeah, well, fuck that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you got some other subjects to you want to hit? I feel like or we've what? done an hour, no? I feel like we've done enough. I feel we like probably we've done, done an a, hour. We've probably done more than an hour. We did. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you've stayed until the end. Um, yeah, I feel like we have lots of other things that we need to talk about. Like what? Um, I think. Like you mean in other episodes? Yeah, in other episodes. Yeah, but like what? Uh, I think we got to talk about, 
um, your YouTube yeah. career and how it happened and why you left. Yeah. And why you're back now. Am I back? <laughs> Apparently, well, you're back on the podcast and that's going to be on YouTube. So. Oh, I guess, huh? That's different. So you're though. back on YouTube. Everyone again. wants like personality. What do you mean? I don't know. It's different. It's What's not different? Podcast and my channel is two very separate things. Okay, but the podcast is going to be on YouTube, so yeah, you're back in some form. But if you guys have any topics that you want us to address or talk about or whatever, just give our opinions on. Feel free to DM me on Instagram or um, catch leave us a on lives. Catch us on lives. Nora's always on. I'm live. always on live, but Instagram loves to shadow ban me. Maybe with our new. Um, YouTube channel. Anyways, we'll figure it out, guys. It We're going to have lives. We're going to get um, get you guys on here. But in the meantime, are we putting this on Apple Music? Yeah. Is that a big and one? Spotify. I Spotify. All the podcasts that I listen to, they're like, rate our, spot, our podcast. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Music. Because <laughs> apparently that's how you yeah. rank. That's how the algorithm works for recommending it to people. And subscribe to our YouTube channel and the podcast on Apple Music. And follow us on Instagram at The Noor's Eyes. So, yeah. I hope you guys like this. We're still pretty rusty, but... This was, yeah. This was the... I mean, this was the first episode, but we're kind of figuring it out as we go, so... Yeah. Feel free to give recommendations. Comment down below. Let us know what you think <laughs> about what we're talking about. We could fight in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I my God. I will fight you. Literally. Uh, Let's have a battle in the comments. <laughs> Asif <laughs> loves to go to social media war in the comments. I was talking to Y'all Omar about that the other day. stand a chance. Nobody was, stands a chance with Asif. I was talking to Omar about that the other day. Like someone said some shit about me on Facebook. And I talked, I talked to Omar. I was like, yo, should I say something? And he's like, well, okay, why would you say something? Like, what What are you, is it going to be productive? And yeah. I'm like, no, it's not going to be productive. I just know that I can say better shit than you. Literally. Like, you, you had the audacity to come on my page and talk crazy. I can say better shit than you. I promise you, mm. I will say better shit than you. Nobody. Let's go. I've yet to meet someone that stands a chance. Have you met your no, competition it's yet? It's very disappointing. <laughs> so if y'all want to battle very disappointing. in the comments, go ahead. <laughs> yep. All right. That's All right, a wrap. We'll see you in the comments, suckers. <laughs> Adios.